Yes, sir. What is going on, y'all? Happy Friday to everybody. And welcome to the Coach Cool Podcast, episode number 149, coming at you guys. How to get into the real estate market, part two with Mr. Riley Bola and Sam Flamont. I had a fantastic conversation with these guys last week, getting to know them a little bit more, what they're about, why they're in real estate. And this week, they are going to add on to that where they are providing some practical, simple steps that if you are thinking about getting into the real estate market, how you should go about doing that, who you should reach out to, what you should be learning. Um, So the value today, the practicality, the applicability of this conversation today is immense. Um, So looking forward to you guys hearing this one. And if you have any questions, they kind of touch on this at the end of the conversation too. But if you are looking to get into this stuff, I would very highly recommend hitting these guys up very knowledgeable, been in the field for a while, so they know what they are doing. Um, so again, excited for you guys to learn from them today, hear a little bit more about this whole situation. Episode 149, how to get into real estate with Riley Bulla and Sam Flamont. Let's get it, y'all. All right, so happy Friday to everybody tuning in. We are back with Mr. Riley Bulla and Mr. Sam Flamont for part two Um, of our real estate talk. And I think the topic of conversation today is going to be a little bit more applicable to the real estate scene. Last week, we got to know these guys a little bit better, um, who they are, what they were about, why they're kind of in this field. Um, But this week, we wanted to provide a little substance into how we can get into the game a little bit. How can we get some skin into the real estate market? Um, So to be a little bit more specific with that, we're going to be talking about rental property. So maybe I'm sitting here today, I kind of want to get in the game when it comes to owning one of these things for myself. Maybe I want to partner up with somebody. How do I do that? What does that process look like? Riley and Sam are going to simplify that for a little bit, give some tangible steps and processes to kind of get our butt in gear with this. Um, I am most certainly locked and loaded, ready to learn some stuff today. Um, So y'all boys take it from there. I'm going to kind of interject as we go, Um, but let's set it off like so, and we'll see what what, uh, we can kind of come up with today. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having us on again, Coop. Yes, sir. Let's, Let's ride. Love being here. Um, so I guess I'll start a little bit. Yep. Um, I think it determines on what you're looking for because one is, you know, one easy way to get into rental properties is you can buy a single family home with extra bedrooms and rent them out to your friends. If you're a young single dude or you don't care if you, if you and your girl are buying a house and don't care if you have roommates, the, the term that's used around the real estate world is house hacking. They call it house hacking because you buy a house and somebody, somebody rents, you buy a three bedroom house, you only need one, you rent two rooms out for 400 each. Essentially your mortgage is paid for or very close to. Um, the other more common way to do that these days, I think, and Riley, you can tell me what you think. Um, people a lot of, I know now are buying duplexes and living in half as to not have to share the space of their own home. So they'll buy a duplex for call it 220. They'll rent out one side for 1200 bucks a month. Essentially, they're going to get a super cheap, you know, mortgage payment, mortgage tax insurance. And the other way that is done, the other nice thing about that is financing options are unlimited. Got it. If you're going to live in the house, you know, first of all, let's, let's worry about financing later. I know Riley's doing his thing out in Colorado. He's doing a similar version, but he's doing an Airbnb style instead of a duplex. Like I'm talking about living in half when, or buying a house, renting other rooms out. Riley has the same idea going, just a different 
So go ahead, Riley. You, you, you're doing this. Right, yeah. I'll kind of explain. And some of you guys may have heard the term house hacking. That's kind of what we're talking about here. I don't really use that term too much, um, but it's thrown out there a lot. And so what I do with my house out here in Denver is my garage was a converted studio uh, before the previous owners. They converted it into a studio. So they were doing short-term rentals. And that was really the main reason why I bought this house. Um, so I have that rocking and rolling. And also, uh, I live in a two-bedroom house. So I'm in the process of getting a roommate in my second bedroom. So I'll have, you know, the income. Yeah, it doesn't stop there, Sam. Just at the studio. I'm going to keep going. So I have, uh, I have a roommate moving in um, that will be paying me rent. And then I also will have income from the Airbnb. Um, so there's so many ways to do it. There are a lot of people that do the duplex and rent out, you know, live in one side, rent out the other. It just depends on where you are. Like that's not, not as realistic out here in Denver, because if you're buying a duplex, both sides, that's going to be seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars Um, if you're somewhere, you know, maybe in the Midwest where you can buy a duplex for 120,000, maybe that's more doable. So again, it's just, it's all depends on where you are and what you're looking to do in, in your particular situation. Yeah. Well, my question, that's the thing is when like the markets are so different, right? So you said Denver duplex 700,000. My question to you, and this is because I really don't know, like what would a rent, what would you get for rent on one half of that duplex? Well, like, exactly. And that goes back. I just had this conversation a couple of days ago. If you're in Denver, if you're near me, Again, duplexes are going to be around me the cheapest seven hundred grand. Wow. So the rent has to make sense if you're going to buy that. A lot of these landlords that bought these duplexes, they oh, yeah. bought them, you know, over ten years ago when prices haven't skyrocketed yet. So it makes sense for them to buy them. For me, if I was going to go buy a seven hundred thousand dollar duplex, I mean, the tenant in the other unit is going to be having to pay a shit ton of money. Yeah. Uh, really just doesn't make sense again it goes back to whatever your market whatever market you're in to make the numbers make sense yep so i had a buddy do this i had a buddy here in michigan got a duplex for he actually bought it for me i hated giving it up but my partner wanted out he bought it for 220 rented the other half and then got a roommate just like you're talking about he was making 500 bucks a month living wow living in his house right i mean he that's an investor so i think i think one thing i want to clarify is you don't have to be the investors have to be buy a fourplex all by yourself, 25% down, buy an eight unit apartment building, even a duplex, even a truck, whatever. You don't have to step off the ledge and go crazy. And now the reason a lot of, a lot of younger people can get in the game with buying a duplex living in half or buying a house like Riley has, renting out a room in your house and Airbnb in your garage, if you're there, you can do that, is your financing options are so much better. So if you live in a house Mm-hmm. You can you can get if you live in your rental you can get three and a half percent FHA, right? Choose down that's a down payment. Wow. So, you know that's the difference. If you're going straight commercial, like the ones Riley and I have as a partnership, we have to come up with twenty five percent down. That's just what the banks want for a commercial loan. That's what they're calling it. It's commercial loan. Yeah, um, yeah. you can go. Gosh, this could, I mean, I don't even know how many avenues to go here. <laughs> I got an idea that just popped into my head that I yeah, want to so, so keep your, one second. So yeah, you can <laughs> get into this game by many different ways, but you, you should get in. That's the thing is find a way to get in 
even if it's the first house you're going to live in. So Riley, go ahead. Cause I went. Yeah. I was just going to say, so see if you're someone out there, you're looking to get into, you know, real estate investment and you don't have 20% down. Not a lot of people do, you know, right now, especially, you know, people my age in their twenties and things like that. It's hard to come up with 20% down, but what you can do is what Sam was saying, buy a primary residence, put three and a half percent down, live in it for a year because that's the rules. And then after that, you can turn it into a rental property. Um, and you could really just keep doing that if you wanted. Um, so you don't really, it's kind of a way to get around that, that 20% down. Now you do have to live in it for a certain amount of time uh, before you turn it into a rental, but that's, that's definitely um, an opportunity for people. That, that's only if you go FHA. If you go conventional loan, you can live in it for two months and decide right. to move on. Right. I think, I think the, big, the big theme here is if you're a newbie and you want to get in, there's a ton of ways to get in. And if you're a newbie and you're like, I have some cash, but I'm afraid. I'm a little bit skeptical. And then someone like myself or Riley go, hey, we have experience. We'll put the same amount you're putting in. We'll split the profits. We're not. I mean, you get a partner. Let's say you needed 20000 to 30000 before. Now you need 15000 down. Yeah. Way better, right? Um, I know there's, gosh, man, we could go. I mean, there's people that just find deals and don't even put any money in and they get part of the deal because they found the deal. I don't want to go that route because I think it's a complicated way to go. Yeah. I think for first time home investor who's been listening to, let's say, Bigger Pockets or other podcasts about investing, they're hearing house hacking, they're hearing buying a duplex, living in half. They're talking about running numbers. So let's talk about numbers. I mean, my big number for all the properties is, is 1%. Yep. 1%. That's a rule that I live by. The property has to get, has to meet the 1% rule, which means if I get 1500 bucks a month, the most I can pay for that house is 150,000. Mm -hmm. My monthly rent has to be 1% of the purchase price. Gotcha. And that's the minimum. That's the minimum. In some areas, like if we're downtown Traverse City, we need to be getting one and a half percent. And maybe in Riley, you can speak to Colorado depending on the taxes. But if the taxes are high, it increases the percentage of rent you need over the purchase price. Exactly. Yeah, actually, taxes out here are a lot lower than they are in Traverse City. Yeah. Um, That's right. Traverse City's pretty crazy with the taxes. And I want to interject real quick because I think you yeah. guys are bringing up some phenomenal points because my fiance and I are in the process that Riley's helping us out with um, in regards to getting a condo, a house, potentially we're kind of seeing what we want to do. But I, I just want to say this is even just the simple conversation. So if you have a friend that's in real estate, like I do with Riley, or you know, a realtor or whatnot, we really didn't know anything about this process. In terms of should we buy? Should we rent? Should we do this? Should we do that? And all the questions that I had, Riley was able to answer in quite literally probably a 12 minute phone call and the peace of mind that I was able to have in terms of moving forward with that process, just with even that slight knowledge base was incredible. So I think just ha even having these conversations, just like Sam just said, where, you know, if you want to go straight investment property, I was like, you probably got to put 20 down, but if y'all want to live with, live in it for a year and then turn it into that, maybe it's only 5%, whatever. So just these slight little tidbits with the numbers and the stories and the facts, like it's a game changer. Cause now we're like, I don't know if we can put 20% down, da, da, da. 
that was just an arbitrary number that we had in our head for whatever reason. We talked yeah. to Riley for 10 minutes. He opens our eyes to all these different possibilities. And now we're all, you know, we're not sleeping last night because we're thinking about what we can do, where we can go, whatever. So I'm not saying it's an easy process, but I think just finding a simple knowledge base behind it on the forefront, like we're doing right now, can open your eyes to so much and it's really powerful. And, um, you know, I hope this is kind of doing that for y'all right now, but just from personal experience, literally in the last couple of days, that's where we're at. So I hope everyone else out there is you know, kind of feeling the same way. Yeah. And it, it goes back to what we always talk about on here. Coop is reach out to people who are in it, who mm -hmm. understand it. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting back and you want to do a real estate deal, but you don't really understand it. Well, I'll start reaching out to people who know about it. I mean, get on the phone. That's how I've, you know, I found, my partner for this deal we're doing in Lansing was from a mutual friend. I know he had interest in real estate. I literally got on the phone with him, explained the deal, explained how it all works and kind of pitched it to him. And he's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> um, so that could be a way for someone who's trying to get into it, reach out to an experienced investor, say, Hey, I have $5,000. I have $10,000, whatever it is. I want to do a deal. And a lot of the times, guys like Sam and I, we're going to be open to it. If we trust you, we think you're a good person, um, you know, we'll, we'll usually make it work. Um, so, it, again, it just comes, comes down to, to reaching out and, and grabbing knowledge and information from, from people that have it. The, so I'll say this. If, if you're serious about investing, the first thing you should do, the first thing is go find a lender. Mm. Lending, because... Because so when I when I think of investing, as a first time home buyer to me, that's another way to invest. Let's let's get that one. I mean, this this is another way that people in Traverse City invest all the time. Is they buy a home that's run down, they buy it, they don't flip it, they buy it, they live with their parents for like a month, they fix it up, then they move into it. They bought it for one thirty, because they did all the work, they put ten thousand into it. The house is now worth two hundred grand. That's an investment, right? Because now let's get into the weeds big time here. Let's say I have a house worth 200,000. I put my down payment down. I only owe 100,000 on it. I can do a home equity loan and use that home equity and buy another deal without any more cash coming out of my pocket. Mm. So there's, dude, there's, there's like 8 million ways to get in. And the biggest thing you need to do is know how you want to get in. Like me, for example, I could not buy a fixer upper because if I have a hammer in my hand, bro, I better be knocking shit down. I'm not building anything. I can't put anything together. Ask my wife, dude. She's like, what are you doing? So, but find a lending partner, a lending partner. Like for example, Riley and I, we have a great lending partner for our, for a couple of our deals. They just reached out to us and go, Hey, we know times are tough for Airbnb. We want to extend to you guys interest only for three months because you're such good customers. And we have a bunch of, we have, I have, we have deals. I have other deals with them too and my own self. But they reach out to us and go, hey, we know it's tough, not getting rentals, interest only for three months, doesn't affect, it's not going to hurt our credit score, it's not going to affect our anything, we just get to help cash flow the property a little bit or better. So You want to explain to people, Sam, what interest only means? Yeah, so, or you can, I mean, I've been talking a lot here. Well, I was going to, I have, a, I want you to expand on something you said too, um, explain to people, so you buy a house for 130,000, you put 10,000 into it. How does that property turn into 200,000? Right? Cause I'm sure people are wondering okay. uh, how that process works. Yeah. So if I buy a house and I know it's in an area, like and I know the area and I've run the comps cause I have a realtor like Riley Bulla and he's like, dude, this house, if you buy this house right here and you do this, this, and this with this neighborhood, 
as soon as you finish the work, it's worth 200 grand. Mm. And I go, okay, let me look at what I got to put into this. And guys, I'll tell you right now, I, I missed a huge deal this past summer in my own neighborhood and I knew better to miss it, but I can't do the work. So you, so you need a trusted partner to run the comps for you. That's how, like when I do flip properties with investors, they go, what can I sell it for? That's the first question. Not even what can I buy it for? What can I sell it for? Okay, 400,000. Okay, so now they know they need to buy it for 220 tops because they're gonna put 80 into it. And by the time they pay realtor fees and closing costs, they need to know that. So a partner, man, you need somebody who's knowledgeable yeah. of the area. And I think, I think as an investor, a good realtor is, a good realtor and a good lender are the two most important things you can possibly have. No doubt. Because, go ahead. I was just going to say, because so when, when you're valuing, you know, a single family residence, it's going to be based on the comparable homes in the area. Right. So that's how you go from that 130,000, put 10 K of work in it to 200 grand, because in that neighborhood, if a house is 200 grand and everything's updated, you're going to be basically comparing that house to that. So, you know, it's going to be worth in that ballpark. So that's where those numbers um, come from. And, and valuing single family residents is different than valuing commercial properties. Those are based on um, the income that the asset is producing. So it's different measurements. Um, but in terms of single family home and renovating it, it's all based on the comparable homes um, in that neighborhood. But I will tell you this, the lender is the most important because they're going to tell you what you can get. Right. If you don't have cash, if you can't pay 250 cash for a place or 700 cash for a place, the lender is the first step because it happens all the time. Even with people like, like yourself that aren't trying to buy an investment, but trying to buy maybe something to live in, they're on Zillow going, well, I pay, I pay 1300 bucks a month right now in rent. Zillow's telling me this is going to be 1100 bucks a month. I can afford it. And the bank goes, eh, your debt to income says, no, just because you can pay your rent, your rent is different than a bank mortgage, right? Your rent is you and the landlord going, let's agree. The bank is the bank going, I don't want this house back. So I need to run my numbers and make sure you can pay me every month. Gotcha. So a good lender is the first step, man, because you know how many times I've seen people, investors and home buyers get their heart broken by thinking they can afford 300. And then they finally talk to a lender and the lender's like, yeah, 220. And he's they're like, we didn't see anything we like for 220. Right. Gotcha. Right. Real quick, when y'all are saying lender, are you, are you referring to a bank? Is that what yep. you're getting at? Gotcha. Yep. So in, and I will say from my, in my experience, the local, the smaller local lenders are more nimble. I don't know about Riley out in Colorado, but like, I'm not going to name names, but the big, big banks you know about, they're the hardest people to get mortgages from because really they don't even want to do mortgages. Gotcha. Your yeah, small local lender. I stay away from the big banks personally. Yep. Gotcha. Your small local lenders, man, they, they're nimble, they're faster, they have more control. They don't got to run it up 40 flights to the sea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And so really you find a lender, the process, man, if you want to break it back all the way down, the process is find a lender, get the lender, all your documents, know what you can get, find a lender, then talk to a realtor and say, Hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Are you proficient in this area, man? And that's where I think people got to question the realtor. Like if your realtor is a single family home realtor or, and they've never done commercial, they've never done 
multifamily commercial. They don't understand how to run the numbers. They don't understand to ask the right questions. Like is, is, is the duplex or the triplex, is it individually metered per unit? Huge deal. Mm-hmm. That can mess up all your numbers, man. If you have, if you buy a triplex that has one meter on it, that means you're more than likely going to either be paying all of the utilities. So you got to add that into your rent or you're going to be doing chargebacks, which is a huge pain in the ass mm-hmm. because it's in your name. So if you don't, if you do a chargeback and they don't pay you, you're still on the hook for the bill. Right. So is it individually metered? Is it, is it, is it one meter? Who's paying this? Dude, there's so many questions when it comes to, to rental properties that you have to get answered. So you need to grill people. And I'll tell you straight up, dude, as a realtor and Riley's a realtor, I have clients that don't work with just me, but they do most of their deals with me because I bust my ass and find them first. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. I want to, I want to rewind a little bit for a second um, just to simplify this process even more and see if this is even a thing. Riley kind of mentioned where maybe you're somebody right now where you're happy, you got a spot, you're living in it, you're all good, but you do have five, six, 10, 15 grand sitting around that you can kind of play with a little bit. You don't want to throw in the market because of what's going on right now, whatever. If you hit up somebody like a Riley Bullet or a Sam Flamont, you say, Hey, here's what I got that I can kind of provide in terms of this money up front. You know, is that what you guys are kind of getting at in terms of finding a partner and then kind of, kind of go in like, like, is, is that a thing where you can just say, Hey, I have 10 grand to throw around. What can you find for me? What can we do? And just go from there where it's not like I'm going to be doing a, a, a whole bunch of work. Just, is that even a thing? Like, how does that process all work? Yeah, go ahead, Riley. I was just going to say, I mean, pretty much, I mean, it's more <laughs> about creating that relationship. I mean, you're not just going to start doing deals with anybody. I right. mean, really know them but if you're someone look if you live damn near anywhere in the country there's some you know someone who's in real estate you right. know someone who's investing i mean they're they're everywhere i mean you can find people that are willing to do deals with you uh i'm not saying for people to just start dming me and say hey here's some money let's do <laughs> <a deal." laughs> i'm not a reap but um, but yeah, you, chances are, you know, someone in your community or, you know, a family friend or something who's in it, that, that should be your first call. And then you can just go from there. Gotcha. Sorry, buddy. I, I got to get a charger. You're good. Um, I got you, Riley. And I, and I love that too, because I think it goes back to what I always preach on here is relationships and reaching out to different people and not even doing it for the sole sake of you know, doing deals like this or whatnot, but just being a person first, because you never know who can come in at the right time, add some value to these different things, what have you. Um, it's never a bad. Well, dude, what you're, what you're, what you're, what like you're explaining is what Riley and I did. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Riley, goes, Riley said, I got some money. I know you're in real estate. I want to do some deals. And we did some deals. Yeah. And you made it happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, but the thing is, you got to understand what you get into. So, you know, do you form an LLC? Do you not form an LLC? Do you, how do you break it down? Let's say, let's say we need 50 grand and you got 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But if I'm going 40, I'm going to be a larger shareholder in that deal. Right. Right. And now who's managing the property. So maybe, maybe you get 10%. Maybe you put 10 grand down. I put 40 grand down, but you found the deal and you're going to manage it for us. So we offset some of your expense, some of your, some of my money is more, my money's more than your money, but you're going to do more work for it. So now instead of you only getting, you know, 15%, 
I'll give you 30% of the deal because you're going to manage it. Or you work out a deal where you're going to be the, the manager, so you're going to get paid to manage it. But most people would take equity. I would always take equity over management fee because that's like 10% of the rent. It's, it's nothing. Gotcha. So gotcha. There, there, there's so many ways and in, in to structure that stuff that it's all legal. I mean, if you're going to do an LLC, you got to get commercial financing or a portfolio loan. Um, if you want to leave it in your personal name, a little more risk, you can get, you can get conventional financing that way, but you can't get a conventional finance deal with an LLC. Right. You know, so there's, there's so many questions, man, in the, in the investing world. And like I said, we could do this for probably <laughs> 10 days. I was going to say, and the reason, you know, the reason we do, um, me personally, and I think Sam's the same. I like to have an LLC for each individual property. That's how I do it. Just because it protects you. You know, you're, if you, if you have five properties in one LLC, they could come after all those assets. So mm -hmm. when you have one LLC for each property, um, really, you know, that's what they can come after if they're going to come after you. So it just mitigates the risk um, a little bit. So I think most, most real estate investors will tell you to create an LLC when you're buying properties. And one thing to, I guess, touch on, maybe, maybe, maybe change the subject a little bit is the fear of, I don't want to be a landlord because my mom told me I was going to hate being a landlord and everybody told me I was going to hate being a landlord. Dude, trust me, I was all the time. Like when I got into real estate investing, my parents were like, you don't want to be a landlord. I was like, how do you know? You've never been a landlord. How do you know? I don't want, you've never been a landlord. How do you know it sucks? Because they hear stories and they're the worst case stories. So, so I owned 13 units before Riley and I met and I had a partner and the partner wanted out. But in those three years we owned our properties, I never got a 2 a.m. phone call. I never got the call like, oh my gosh, it's flooding and you got to get here now. Never got that call. Um, the first time ever I got a call was on a house, a single family home that's right by me at 1030 at night. The toilet, I had to get a new toilet. And they were like, hey, we have two. We'll just use the other one. Can you get us a new toilet tomorrow? Yeah, no problem. This fear of like the unknown of like how bad is it dealing with tenants? I'll tell you how bad it is dealing with tenants. It's as bad as the work you put in to finding the tenant. If you take the first person that comes along with cash, you're probably doing bad. Mm -hmm. Like for me, man, I will at this point in the time, I would rather have my property set vacant for a month than, than have a tenant that's gonna cause me headaches, leave, not pay, evict, because in the end, I'm gonna end up paying more money. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, you know, man, what else? Look, I think the biggest thing that we haven't talked about yet is reserves. Um, and let's mm -hmm. just, let's just throw numbers, Riley. I don't care if you, if you care about throwing real numbers at people so they can hear what we're doing right now. Um, yeah. I'm wide open about this. So reserve, that means money behind the deal for immediate repairs, right? Mm -hmm. So you buy a duplex and the furnace breaks week one. You're like, mother, you have money behind you. So when you buy a property, when you say you have 10 grand, these are the things that 10 grand is going to go to. You're going to have an inspection, 400 bucks, depending on where you're at and the size of the property. Mm -hmm. You're going to have closing costs on your loan, which are going to be anywhere between, 
two and three percent of the loan, sometimes two thousand, sometimes five thousand, and then your down payment. But then you need to have money behind the deal. So where this worked out, best case scenario, Riley and my other three, the other three partners, Trent and Ryan, we bought three condos <clears throat> and we negotiated the deal in such a fashion that we were able to put 50 grand in the bank behind the deal. So we had we had the down payment, we had some money left over ahead of time, we had $50,000 extra in case coronavirus hit. And guess what? <laughs> coronavirus hit. Yeah. Like that money's for the worst case scenario. So we were good. What? I think we were good for, we had 12 months pretty much of expenses mm -hmm. covered. So my point is this, your renter shouldn't have to worry about freezing or not showering because you're broke. So if you can't put reserves behind the deal, you shouldn't own a property. Gotcha. And and, yeah. And to that, dude, on top of that reserve fund, you got to, each month you got to calculate, you know, you got to account for vacancy. You got to account for your everyday repairs. Um, and depending on how conservative you want to be with those numbers, um, like for this duplex in Lansing, for example, that area is about 4% um, vacancy rate. So I, we plan, me and my partner plan on putting aside 5% um, for vacancy each month. And then on top of that, we're putting what 120 bucks, I think a month into repairs and maintenance. So all that money stays in the account. We don't take any of that money as income. Um, just in case, you know, you need little fixes and that's on top of the reserve fund. Um, and every investor is going to be different. They're going to, some people won't put any money away for vacancy. Some won't put any away for repairs. It's just how safe do you want to be in case something crazy happens like now when something crazy has happened? Um, Dude, so. it's, it's, this is the best time talking about real estate investing and the best time talking about reserves and CapEx because if you don't have reserves, right? If we didn't have reserves on Hastings right now, we would be feeling it. Mm -hmm. So you're of like 3,500 bucks a month, right? So like a thousand a piece extra that we were thinking we were going to be getting and now we're paying. Gotcha. But what Riley's talking about is something called CapEx. So if you want to write that down, I know you're taking notes. I saw that. Yep. I like that. I was doing the same. CapEx is, is capital expenditures. That's your roof. That's your siding. That's your flooring. That's your furnace. That's your water heater. Those are major expenses that you have to calculate. Like Riley just said, 120 bucks a month. Okay. So if you have a roof that you know has 10 years life on it, this is where you get real mathy. And the roof, let's say the roof's going to cost you just round numbers, $10,000, but it's got 10 years. Well, you have to put enough money each month away yep. to have $10,000 in 10 years for the roof. And then you got the furnace that's got 10 years left on it. And that's, let's say 4,000, yada, yada, yada. So you add up all these expenses and you divide them by the time they have left, the life they have left. And you put that away each month. That's called, so some of the people who listen to your podcast right now, We'll jump over to, to bigger pockets or another podcast and they'll hear CapEx. That's what CapEx is. It's capital expenditures. Mm -hmm. It's money you put away now so you don't have to go, oh shit. Yeah. Later. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, boys, y'all are throwing some stuff at us right now. Um, <laughs> and I love it though. So it's for, now I want to wrap it up a little bit. That, that, I, I have this question. So obviously you guys do a lot of terms, a lot of different things at us here. 
whatever. Do you have any resources? Maybe it's, you know, online videos or it's a book or it's this, that if people kind of check out just to kind of read it, maybe it'll go over a little bit slower, maybe explain things a little bit more. Is that stuff out there? I know, I know it's out there, but in terms of your guys' opinion on that stuff, um, what direction can we, can we kind of take in terms of seeking that stuff out? There's millions of books out there on this stuff. Um, I think I've read five or six books that are strictly on multifamily investing. Um, but my biggest thing along with those is having mentors in each Got it. department. So having a lender that I can call with questions, having an investor I can call with questions, because that's where I really learn the most is from having the conversations. And real estate is one thing where you're really not going to understand everything about it until you go do it. Got you it. just got to go through the process and there's going to be things that come up and you're like, shit, I didn't know this was going to happen. Or what's this? Or why did the inspector give me a 35 page inspection report? Like what's wrong with the house? <laughs> so it's just little things that you're going to learn and you'll only truly learn them from going through the process. Yep. Yep. Same, anything to add? Um, I would, you know, I'd say follow, honestly, follow Riley on Instagram, follow me on Instagram yeah, there because, you go. and Facebook too. If you, if you want to be Facebook friends, I drop a lot of videos, like quick one minute videos with like a, with like just a topic of why you need to reserve or, or what's the 1% rule, like broken down by itself so you can consume it one at a time. Right. Um, bigger pockets, I think is probably the most well-known. Okay. Um, they have a great book out. It breaks down everything we talked about and more in their book. It's just bigger pockets. I think it's, if you, if you Google bill bigger pockets, real estate investing book, you'll find it. Got it. Um, I've read it. Forgot the name. Read it? I've read it. Yeah. Oh, it's a great book. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, man, who else? I used There's to a love great book that I've just, I just finished. It's called build a rental property empire by Mark Ferguson. That's another great one to read. There's so many books out there and so many people to follow. Yeah, there's no information doubt. everywhere. I mean, yep. if there's information literally everywhere. I think Riley hit on the nose though. You, you, if I learned so much by doing the deal, Yeah. you know, by learning. <laughs> and there's, there's a ton more we can talk about. I mean, I don't know if we're doing a part three of this, but dude, we can get into to leases and we can, I mean, there's just, you know, there's stuff. Yep. Yep. No, I totally get it. And I think sometimes too, Again, to an outsider as myself, there is so much out there that's kind of like, which direction do I go? Which route should I take? What should I listen to? What should I not listen to? So I think hearing it from the horse's mouth of people who are actually in the game, um, that makes a lot of sense. And I think people can get a lot of value from that. Um, so closing comments, what, 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 what do we think? What do y'all got for the people here? Closing remarks, comments, questions, concerns, get, 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 give some uh, to us here. Uh, look, Kind of what Sam was saying, I'm an open book too. If you guys want to follow me on social media and DM me questions, or if you want to jump on a phone call, um, just hit me up. I was just on a phone call two nights ago with a guy from um, Southern Michigan who hit me up, who had a few questions. I didn't know him from Adam, but I, I love talking real estate, love trying to help people out. And I love learning too. I mean, there's so many different scenarios in real estate where you're always learning. Um, so feel free to reach out to me. I love talking about it, answering questions, just shooting the shit about real estate. That's what I love to do. Yeah, I'll say that. As a matter of fact, the more we talk about it, the better we get at it. Mm. You know, because you start you start talking about stuff, and you're like, yeah. And then you just like auto auto. You know, when you go to make a deal. But I will say, 
I will say the biggest thing, and, and you're going to do this, if you buy a house, understand that every offer you make, as long as you have a, an inspection contingency, your money is safe. Like, so like, for example, in Traverse City, we do a lot of 14 day inspection periods. That means dude, for any reason, I'm talking any reason, the buyer can back out of that deal within 14 days and not lose a dollar unless they did an inspection. If they do an inspection, which they should do, they'll lose the 350 or $400. Let's say they're, they're four days in and they just have cold feet during the inspection period. They can, they can go, I drove by and didn't like the slope of the grass. I drove by and didn't like the tree over the house. I'm out. You have 14 days, man, to like second guess yourself. So go. Like you're safe. You're protected. If you have a good agent, you're really protected. Mm -hmm. um, you just need to have that earnest money that typically you'll. What is it out there? I mean, that's a good question. In terms of what one is it do? No, no, no. Like, like what's your typical earnest money out there? Like for let's say a $400,000 oh, deal. Same. It's typically like one to 3%. Yeah. So. Yeah. Most of our deals are a thousand to three thousand, but the earnest, good thing, earnest money. What's that? It's money that you put into escrow. It sits there. Nothing happens to it, unless you move forward with closing. It goes towards the purchase price. If you back out, they send you a check back to you for the full amount. So like, don't be afraid, man. You got time, and in the fourteen days you're under contract, or let's say you got a ten day inspection period or a seven, that's a shitload of time to figure out a lot of stuff. Mm. but like Riley said man you gotta jump you gotta yep. jump and if, and if you want to hit us up social media questions phone calls i don't give a shit yep. i'll help anybody yep. <laughs> i love it man i love it well boys i appreciate that obviously i'll tag you guys and all this stuff and um to everyone listening i know sometimes people just throw that out there they say oh hit me up whatever they never hit you back up it's all good these cats mean it um they very much mean it. they do the same for me i bug riley every single day with this condo stuff and whatnot um, but I think the more of the story that we can see here is hit people up, ask them what's up, ask questions, keep asking questions, um, and just let it rip because you never know what you might like. Do you have to do it? Of course not. But I think if you seek the knowledge, um, it becomes a little less scary, especially if it's something that you really want to do um, long-term wise or just in general um, to learn more about or whatnot. So um, with that, part two with uh, my dogs, Riley and Sam, appreciate you guys. Thank you for those knowledge bombs. Um, I got a lot of reading to do, a lot of listening to do here within the next week. Um, appreciate y'all boys. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll run it back next week, all right? Oh, yeah. See you guys soon. See all you right, later. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode on the Coach Cool Podcast. And real quick, as I was listening back through this conversation, um, recording the intro for it, doing some editing for it as well, um, it just really struck me how awesome these two dudes were at not only identifying this whole process when it comes to real estate, but how genuine they were in that approach, how open they were in that approach. They shared some very confidential information in terms of money and how they go about these different things with us. Um, and it was just easy. It was flowing. It was transparent. And it's so cool to listen to people like that. And it just reminded me how when you reach out to certain types of people, it doesn't have to be your friends like I did with Riley and Sam. It can be anybody. Maybe it's social media, email, calls, what have you. Let's do more of that. So if you're interested in a particular field or you have a question or you just want to learn a little bit more about whatever, let's hit more people up because I think we're going to be really surprised 
that when we do hit these people up, is everybody going to respond? No, sir, they're not. But I think a wide majority of them are. Or at the very least, if you send out 100 of these things, you're going to get back a couple of responses at the least. So um, people are out there to help us. Myself in particular, maybe it's a podcast you want to start up. Please hit me up. Or just about life in general, whatever. Uh, message me, call me, DM me, what have you. Because I think the sharing of these types of things um, is only going to move us forward as a generation, as a group of people. And it's really exciting to do this stuff and have this platform to share those experiences on a little bit bigger scale than usual. So um, I just wanted to leave you guys with that this weekend. And again, the the moral of the story is to reach out, ask people what's up, see what's up, keep asking questions because that's how we progress forward and a lot more betterment can be found if we can do that. So y'all have a fantastic weekend. Appreciate you guys as always for your listenership. And we'll see you guys back here on Monday. God bless you guys. Coach Coop.